Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. And today I have the pleasure of having Chris Gullard, the pastor of Strategic Advancement at Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California. He's also the chairman of the board at Christian Stewardship Network. And today he's joining me to talk about a unique aspect of building a stewardship ministry team. And that specifically is to build a leadership team in your stewardship and generosity ministry. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to come and join me. Hey, Leo. Happy to be with you. Well, you and I have done this. Um, we have built teams. We've managed teams. And I wanted to talk this over with you and have you really share a lot of the experience and the insight that you've had over the years as you've built your team and as as your team has, obviously has evolved over time and really talk about what value does having a leadership team on your stewardship ministry team have. So let's start with when is a stewardship leadership team necessary? Mm, that's, a, that's actually a really good question. I, I think the short answer is there should always be a team. So even, even very much starting out, if somebody's this, the leader per se, I think the, the, actually the first responsibility really ought to be to build a team. I didn't necessarily do it that way here, you know, so I can speak from kind of the mistakes I've made along the way, kind of that perspective, and tried to just lead it on my own for a while and quickly realized, particularly at a large church, it, it just became very difficult and I became a bottle, bottleneck. And we can share some stories about that in a bit. But I think even in a smaller church, when you start out, the, the first thing to do is really to get a core team together so that it is not about one person. I think, frankly, in a church environment, and actually maybe even more so in a volunteer-led team, you know, having several people involved is really key for a number of reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And just like you, I uh, I didn't start out thinking to build a leadership team until I got overwhelmed. And then I realized, okay, I'm missing something here. And in fact, it was one of my volunteers who said, Leo, you really shouldn't be doing all of this. Like you should get some help. You should get some insight and, and advice from different people. And you've got some gifted people here. So why not take, take advantage of what God has given you? And it was such a wonderful piece of advice because my intention really was to provide a great place for people to serve. And I wanted to do most of the legwork for them so that they could show up and just do the work. But I was missing out on so much by not leveraging their their gifting, their talents, and of course, their insight, because they have a different perspective than you and I do looking from an outside in uh, view. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think doing it early on is really the reason why we want to talk about this in this podcast is that it's so important if someone is looking to either grow their ministry or just starting out to really think about making the vision of the ministry much bigger than just one or two or a few volunteers. Think big. You don't know how big it's going to get. Why not build it so that it can grow without having to completely reinvent it? So what are some of the benefits of having a leadership team? Let's talk about that. Well, I think you know some of the, some of the basic things are just the idea that even as the pastor in charge of it here, I always felt like it was really important for me to have a leadership team that I could trust 
to, to me, it's almost like a board of directors. In other words, you know, any healthy organization, whether you've got a CEO and then a board or, wh- or whatever it might be in a corporate world, having other people involved, A, for accountability, B, for just kind of checks and balances b- become very important. To me, that was really good because sometimes as a pastor in particular, if you're a staff member running the ministry, you may not fully appreciate the perspective of the lay people all the time. And so having people from the outside speaking in, I think is really important. But also, I just think, you know, several heads are better than one. And the idea of sharing thinking, sometimes people have gifting in areas that I don't and vice versa. So there's all those team dynamics that become really, really important. But also in a large church, it's easy to talk about this. um, And I think it's understandable in a smaller church, you may not fully appreciate it because you might think, well, this ministry is only a certain size right now. But as God grows the ministry, having more people involved and having, you know, scalability becomes very important. And I've frankly seen some fairly small churches that have robust stewardship ministries that are extremely effective because they're run by a team. Yeah, agreed. Plus, as you add more programs, there may be people that are more gifted in certain areas or just have passion for specific types of programs. And you can put them in charge, not just of that program, but anybody that serves in that program. So at one point in our ministry, uh, when I was a stewardship pastor, this is something we did. We had either an individual or two or three people that were as over a specific program, like Financial Peace University or a coaching program. And that's so vital because if you're the guy that or gal that's overseeing a larger team, you can't manage every one of those teams. It's so hard relationally to connect and make sure everybody's you know, satisfied with what they're doing. They're doing a good job this really does help for you to kind of multiply yourself. And I think one of the greater benefits is that you do get to do so much more together than you ever would if you just did it all yourself, right? 100%. Well, the way I look at it too, and this is maybe a little bit different, um, but it, it the, the leadership team, if they're really allowed to explore passion and, and you know, they love the ministry, they're going to be telling other people in the church about it naturally. So it, it, it also just, it just sort of builds a little bit of critical mass within within the ministry too, because the people are talking about it. They're going to be talking about it with their friends. They're going to mention their small groups. So things like that that are really important just to get the word out and and having a bunch of people involved, I, I think, are really crucial. And the other thing I think is that these people are naturally going to recruit others, as you said, to to come into the ministry and tell everyone else where they're serving and that they should take advantage of what the church is offering. So talking about recruiting, how do you recruit for such a team? And then what do you look mm. for in individuals who would serve on this specific leadership team? Okay, let me let me take that in two parts, I think, because um, first of all, recruiting for the ministry, uh, the leadership team, I always recruit from out of the broader ministry. So let me just kind of back up to the broader ministry. Um, there are a number of things that we've done. Our kind of general ministry process here at our church is done through, you know, people take a ministry class, they can actually go meet with what we call a shape guide, who's somebody that kind of explores their shape and giftings for ministry and things like that to help them get plugged in within the church. So sometimes people may come through that process and express interest. So, you know, to me, making sure that we capture those people when they express interest and getting them involved quickly is really important. I have found that volunteers who feel like you don't really need them are going to disappear real fast. So to me, when somebody expresses interest, I want to make sure we're jumping on that quickly. But one of the other things that I just think is one of the best ways to recruit people is through our own events. When we do 
whether that's, I remember in the old days when we had crown Bible studies happening and, you know, we had people coming through a crown study and every time at the end of it, we would say, Hey, would you be willing to lead a group through this same study now that you've done it? Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing's true now when somebody comes through the financial freedom workshop, we're actually asking our people, Hey, is this something as you um, have benefited from this class? Is this something that you feel like you might like to help others with? Maybe you're not ready to do that yet, but it's something as you move along and get into a place of, of moving towards health, would you be interested in helping out? And it's just something to keep in mind. And some of them might say, oh man, I'm in, I'm in rough shape right now. That's why I came to the class and I need help and whatever. But you never know, a couple of years later, when they all of a sudden are in better shape, they can turn around and, and now they've got a story too. So they've got a great heart for the ministry. They recognize how much they've benefited from it. So they're, you know, there's a real interest in wanting to help others in the same way. So to me, there's, you know, each church is going to have its own kind of process for recruiting volunteers in general. And obviously we want to tap into that. But also I think through our own classes, pulling people out of that, it becomes very important. And then the third thing I would say is just simply when our pastor does a teaching series on finances to make sure that as, as that's kind of bringing in broad interest, one of the things that I'm asking for and we're looking for is, do you feel like you might have interest in helping people in this area? And just kind of a very general question, because from there we can talk about how do we engage them, train them, set, you know, set vision and expectation. There's a lot of pieces that go with it eventually, but initially it's just, you got to kind of pique their interest a little bit, get the conversation going and then take it from there. Yeah. Those are great suggestions. So what do you look for in the individuals that you're actually bringing into this leadership team? Okay. So for the leadership team, There's actually, and actually in the Stewardship Impact Workshop that Dave Briggs and I teach, there's six things that we identify as crucial things that really you want to have on the leadership team. When you have volunteers, like you, you know, for example, at any given moment, we might have 40 or 50 or 60 active volunteers in our financial ministries here. So it's a pretty big team. Not everybody on the team is going to have all of these attributes, right? So I just want to say that up front. But when I'm looking at the leadership team, I'm actually wanting to make sure that the people that I'm bringing into the leadership team, we used to call it an executive team, are exhibiting all of these things. If it's okay, I'll just maybe run through them quickly. Uh, One is spiritual maturity. Stewardship and and generosity ministry is is a ministry of influence. You're really influencing other people. It's not just doing something. And there's some ministries that you don't need a lot of spiritual maturity for, not to you know, disparage any particular ministry. But if you're directing people to parking spaces, that's a very important ministry. And it's important every weekend to get, you know, facilitate people coming in and out of the campus, things like that, maybe. But it doesn't necessarily require a lot of spiritual maturity, where in this case, when you're coaching people or leading a group and just, you know, have, leading Bible studies, things like that, it necessitates a certain amount of spiritual maturity. One of the things that I've always cast vision for in our leadership team is that, these leaders are actually going to be discipling the other volunteers in the broader team. So I look at my job as the pastor in terms of discipling the leadership team, and then the leaders in turn are now discipling the other members of the volunteer team. Because I can't, if there's, you know, again, if we have 40, 50 volunteers, whatever, I can't be in everybody's life. There's just no way, but I can influence six people or seven people, whatever it might be in the leadership team. And then they in turn can can do the same thing as, as we pass it down. So, so number one is spiritual maturity. Number two, I would call financial maturity. I'm not looking for perfection. I remember I had one woman who said to me, 
she did serve on the leadership team for a number of years until she moved out of the area. And she said, Hey, are you okay with me serving on this team? Because I'm still in the process of paying down some of my debt and stuff like that. And I, I, I remember laughing and being like, Hey, I, I actually appreciate the question and the candor. The truth is this isn't about perfection. This is about us being on the journey and uh, you've worked really hard. And I think you have the, uh, some great leadership qualities and so forth. And so when we say financial maturity, it's not perfection, but it's, there are people who, really want to, to live out what we're teaching and do it actively. So it's not just like, well, I'm going to teach you guys how to budget, but I don't do the budget thing. Like th- mm-hmm. that would not be okay on the leadership team. You know what I'm saying? Capability and everybody has different skill sets. And sometimes people are very capable in some areas and not others. Normally on a leadership team, you do actually want people to be different. That's how we help each other and complement each other, but making sure that they are bringing specific capabilities to the team that are going to you know, be valuable to the team, obviously. Uh, the fourth one is interesting. It's actually availability. Just because somebody is passionate about the ministry doesn't mean they have a lot of time to give. Sometimes they may have some time, but for me and the leadership team, it's got to be a, that, that's a pretty significant time commitment. We're meeting with the volunteers on our monthly meeting. Uh, and then we have a leadership team meeting outside of that every month. So, you know, there's time for that. Then there's the actual actual ministry time where they're serving coaching and maybe, uh, you know, leading an FPU or financial freedom workshop or something like that. So they have to be available. So that's the fourth thing. The fifth is passion for stewardship. Again, all of those things that we just talked about above, if they don't really have passion to bring, I just believe the most effective leaders are passionate about whatever their area of leadership is. I think sometimes you have somebody who's capable and they can do it. But if they're not passionate about it, they're not going to really engage people and bring them up in the way that they could otherwise. And then the last one is just a positive attitude. I think it's really important for people to to have that positive attitude. It's, it's something, uh, I guess I'm naturally an optimist and I don't like to spend as much time around people who are maybe negative by nature, you know, that kind of thing. And, and we all have people like that in our lives. But I think, again, when you're leading a team and you're trying to move people forward and influence people, I think the positive attitude is really important. For the, so those are the six things that I look for in the leadership team. And again, not everybody's going to be perfect in all of those things. But frankly, any one of those six things, if I see somebody doesn't have that, that might be enough to DQ somebody from, from being on the team, just one of those things being missing. Yeah. I agree. And, and every one of those things are, thank you for sharing those. Uh, you and Dave, you mentioned the Stewardship Impact Workshop. You teach that. And this is one of those uh, nuggets that you share on the leadership team and, and what you guys look for. So I just want to highlight that the Stewardship Impact Workshop is a one-day workshop. We also have a, available uh, as an online course. But this is something that you and Dave put together many years ago, and you offer it as a teaching, really, to help pastors and church leaders understand stewardship and generosity, really the theology of it, and then also how does that look inside the church? So it's a tremendous investment, I think, if people that are listening that haven't been through it, we always have one on the horizon, so check out our website if you want to go to that, but really encourage you to take, take a look at that because there's so much wealth of knowledge and wisdom in that course that can really help you understand this ministry. But Coming back to the question, yeah, I, I so agree to every single one of those six things. I think without those things, something's missing, right? I mean, if people aren't available, if they're not passionate, then you have to step in and motivate them and, and move them. And that's not what you're looking for on the leadership team. You're looking for people that are leaders, right? They they don't need very much. They just need direction, and they're going to jump in and and row in the same direction you are. So those are great individual characteristics that someone on this leadership should have. So thank you for sharing those. 
All right. So let's talk about some of the specific roles and responsibilities that you would give team members uh, on this leadership team. Uh, great question. Uh, and again, I just a reminder what I said a moment ago in that different people bring different skills to the table and that's, that's okay. Um, so what I want the leadership team doing is really spending as much time in their areas of strength as I possibly can. What I found uh, in general, and this is not a hard and fast rule, but in general, what, what seems to happen is that the people on that leadership team tend to head up individual ministries within our financial freedom ministry. So there may be somebody on the team, for example, who leads the financial coaching ministry. There may be somebody on the team who leads FPU when we run FPU. There may be somebody who's really good at training volunteers, or maybe there's somebody that teaches classes. So they're going to have different skill sets. But I also look at making sure that I'm delegating as much as I possibly can. We, we have an old mantra at our church that every member is a minister. And the idea being that really it's the members of the church that, that God's given them ministry passion, ministry capability. We want to raise people up to be active and serving in that. And the last thing I want to do is take somebody's ministry away by hogging the ball, so to speak. So um, I want these leaders to be doing the same thing. You know, for example, uh, one of our leaders is, is a, a person who doesn't necessarily like to be up in front of the room and teach, and yet he's actually very good at doing trainings. So training some of our other, as volunteers are coming in to do a leadership training with them, or, a, you know, how do you facilitate a group for this study, that kind of thing. He seems to enjoy really doing that and he's very good at it. So he doesn't like to stand up in front of a big room, but if it's a group of four or five or seven or eight people, whatever it might be, and sitting around and working through a training, he actually does that very, very well. Well, I do hope that you're enjoying this conversation and we're gonna come right back to it but I want to take just a minute to introduce you to one of our ministry partners. CSN's ministry would not be possible without the help of our partners, and frankly, we wouldn't want to do it without them. What they offer to churches and church leaders through services, content, and resources that they have is invaluable to building a healthy stewardship ministry and helping their people to become good stewards and generous givers. This episode of the Stewardship Leader Podcast is sponsored by Good Sense Movement. Good Sense is a nonprofit organization that exists to help churches equip their congregation in a key area of Christian discipleship, financial stewardship. Good Sense believes that as people live out the wisdom of God's word in the area of finances, they grow closer to God. Good Sense has a variety of resources that will engage and equip your entire congregation, not just those in financial crisis. Good Sense offers consulting to help churches develop a stewardship program that fits the unique needs of their congregation. To learn more, visit goodsensemovement.org. The other thing that I would say I have fun with, and this isn't just a leadership team and the ministry in general, I really like to allow people to try new things because sometimes until somebody has tried something, they may not fully appreciate or they might even be intimidated, uh, you know, um, and I've allowed people to say, look, if you've never taught before, you know, you're articulate, you're good at sharing your ideas in a group. How do you feel about teaching a 10 minute segment of the class coming up or something like that and, and trying people out? Anyway, that's kind of a separate thing. But within our leadership team, not everybody on the leadership team heads a ministry. And, and I would say not everybody that heads a ministry is necessarily on the leadership team. However, as you might imagine, there's a propensity that those two things kind of come together. So a lot of times they do that. I've had uh, sometimes people on the team that are responsible for various different things. 
where I'll say, you know, we'll take one of the leadership team folks and say, hey, I want you, when we're going through the financial freedom workshop and we've got, you know, one or two leaders at each table, I want you to be the coach for the leaders. So would you, for the next six weeks as we're going through this workshop, would you coach them and make sure they're doing okay and check in with them and that kind of thing? That's kind of the go-to team, if you will, the core team for, frankly, for most things that we do. That's great. I also want to know, like, how do you, when you look at these individuals, what do you hope they do to help you in leading? Like, how do they assist you in leading? Outside of the things Mm -hmm. you talked about, what value did they bring to you as a leader of the ministry? Ah, that's a really good question. Um, Well, there's a few things. One is, the way I've always run the leadership team, and actually right now I'm not even doing that at our church anymore. We I've sort of handed that off to somebody else, and it's actually something I miss because they became, you know, over years they become very dear friends, mm-hmm. uh, and I I still like to spend time with them individually and things like that. But the team itself, to me, it's like an elder board where I want them to to hold our ministry accountable. If they feel like something is a little bit off, or we're missing something, or we have an opportunity to do something to help our church. I want them to, to feel comfortable and confident in coming forward to, to throw those suggestions in the into the pot and let others weigh in on it too. So they really get to shape the ministry. So that on a broad level, I would say that. And then sometimes they're going to be people who, you know, have giftings where they're leading prayer or some have administrative giftings. And I've had, had people on the leadership team that come, you know, come alongside, help me write classes. So there's a lot of different skill sets that come out of it. But I want them to actually not only bring forward ideas, but actually to be able to feel confident to say, hey, if something's a little bit off, uh, I want you to be comfortable bringing that forward as well. And actually, that includes me as the leader, which I think is really, really important. And so I've always told our team, just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean I know everything and and I'm going to make mistakes and I need you to hold me accountable. And it's okay to call those things out. One of the problems I've, I see oftentimes when I look at stewardship ministries around the country, sometimes there's we see leaders who, because they're so passionate about it, they love to do it. They tend to want to do a lot of the ministry themselves, which I, I totally get. Mm-hmm. And I, I just enjoy teaching. I like teaching. One of my volunteers who's on my leadership team, his name's Tom. He's, he doesn't attend our church anymore. He's not in the area, but just a great guy. And I remember him pulling me aside and he's he was several years older than me and He's actually a very quiet guy. He's an engineer. And he said, Hey, can we can we get together? I'd like to talk to you about something. And I didn't, I didn't know what it was about, but it sounded like it wasn't just, you know, you didn't want to talk about football. It was like something serious. And I could tell as we sat down to lunch, we were talking, and and he said, Hey, um, you know, there's something I want to talk to you about. And he was almost hemming and hawing. And I said to him, Hey, Tom, listen, if there's something that you need to tell me, I'm totally game to hear it. And and if I need need some some coaching, I'm open to it. So just let her rip kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I saw him kind of take a dip, you know, kind of take a big breath breath and let it out. And I was like, almost, all right, here we go. And he goes, okay, well, you know, we've talked about wanting to grow the ministry and the way I see it right now, you're the bottleneck. And I was (laughs) like, I mean, it was like, bam, he just like kind of punched me right in the forehead with it. But you know what? I needed that. And it was really an important moment for me. And I said, wow. I said, okay, help me understand what you're saying. And then we unpacked it. And it was super helpful coaching for me, frankly. Uh, it was information that helped me to, to kind of change the way that I was running things and to step back and let go of some things that I needed to let go of and allow the leadership team to step in and really run things. And so, you know, what I said, look, if I get hit by a bus, 
I want to make sure this ministry is not going to stop because it's dependent on me. I want like, if I'm, if I step out or for whatever reason, God calls me to something different. I want to make sure that you guys are going to be okay to run this and you don't need me. You know, I'm, I want to help, help and participate of course uh, and provide some vision and so forth. But I really want you guys to be able to run this. When I say guys, I mean that men and women because our team is both. So to, to me, it's that relationship that I think is so important that I really looked at it like this was a almost like a small group that really worked together, iron sharpening iron. When we met on a monthly basis, we often did a, a little devotional, you know, to start our time together, That's something stewardship related most of the time, but not even always. And so we really were in, in each other's lives and it became a very close group of friends. And I, I really enjoyed doing it. But it also meant that because they knew that I trust them, and I really did, they had my back and I had theirs. And so it really made us effective in accomplishing things. And sometimes when we felt like some of the team was getting discouraged or whatever, like they were willing to fight through it and work for it because we knew we had something really good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, what you're describing is really uh, the health of a team. And so much of that really does depend on the leader being open. Like you said, you know, you, you gave Tom the permission to be honest and open with what he was seeing and what he was feeling and not try to spare your feelings, but then keep something that would prevent the ministry from actually benefiting. And as a leader of the ministry, you set that tone. Are you going to allow people to be free to express good and bad stuff, whatever they see? Or are you going to portray this idea that if it's good, I want to hear. If it's bad, keep it to yourself. It's not the way you want to run a team like this. You mentioned having a board of elders or a board of directors. And in a situation like that, whether it's a business or a ministry, the president or the CEO, they have to answer to the board. The board doesn't, you know what I mean? It's not It's not that yes. the CEO controls the board. It's actually the reason it's in place is so that there's clarity about how it's being run and it's not dominated by one individual or just a couple. And that's the health of having a team like that. So I so appreciate that you share that because those roles and responsibilities are important, but so are the benefits of having a healthy team. And you described that so well. So mm. what are some of the things that you keep in focus as you're leading this team? What's important to you that you keep in mind specifically to, and you mentioned that, you know, these are trusted friends and people that you develop strong relationships with. So what do you keep in focus as you do that? So that that health part of the team continues to, to move forward. Mm. Well, number one is I want to make sure that I'm discipling th that team. Um, and I take that really, really seriously, uh, which means I've got to be in a really good, healthy place myself to lead well. And so some of that is just making sure that I'm being the leader that I, I need to be and then making sure I'm pouring into them in a way that really grows them. Sometimes when people come into this ministry, we make assumptions, or at least I do. I think sometimes we think people think like we do. I think that's natural human nature in a lot of different ways. You know, when people come into this team, I may make an assumption that they have an understanding about financial stewardship and what that means. Well, they, they may or may not. And the point is to actually grow our volunteers, right? So the leadership team hopefully is, as I mentioned earlier, financially mature and spiritually mature, but we all want to be growing together. So to me, as far as, you know, kind of it sometimes challenges in, in, in the team, as the leadership team, we can become like, oh, we're the leadership team. So we kind of do all this. And, and you can actually, there's, I mentioned almost like a disconnect between me and me being the bottleneck, but the same thing can happen with the leadership team relative to the rest of the ministry, where the leadership team is doing everything, leading everything. And then other volunteers feel like, well, is there a place for me to really grow in this ministry? Or are you just going to ask me to step out and, 
kind of show up and do the six week class once a year and go home or, you know what I'm saying? So to me, it's like for the leadership team to actually make sure that they're connecting with others on the team, not only relationally, but also uh, pouring into them and actually growing that team. I guess what I'm trying to say is it requires sort of stepping back and looking at the health of the ministry overall periodically, me individually, and then as the group to say, how are we doing in this? And then actually one of the things that I like to do with the team, you know, we kind of do a, a recap at the end of the year and say, what do we do well? What do we not do well? What are our goals for next year? And, you know, that kind of thing, like a lot of organizations will do, but, you know, maybe what did we miss? What, what are the things that we could have done? How could we have poured into our team better? You know, those kinds of questions to say, kind of like, how do we sharpen our axe? How do we get better at what we want to be doing here? And so to me, that's just, which is, again, it's not specific to stewardship at all. It's sort of team leadership in general, but I think it's really important that as we develop this within the church, you realize this is a difficult area of ministry. It's an area that people have a lot of emotional struggles built in. And our team has to be willing to step into some of that difficult space. And if they're not healthy, it's just probably not going to happen in a really good way. So making sure that they're healthy so that they can step in and really minister to people in difficult times, but also sometimes step into places and and maybe lead a jog where they're talking with people that have a lot of resources and stepping in a place where they're leading from the front and being generous and can share their own stories of that, living it out. So, you know, to me, the leadership team models it. They not only run things, but they actually have to model it at the same time and inspire others to grow and be like them. It's complicated. Uh, and so, but it's a lot of fun, you know, I mean, yeah. to me running the team, it's just having a team like that is so rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're describing, and you're really saying something that I think it's so key for everyone to understand is that having a leadership team is not about disseminating some of your responsibilities and making sure people do more work. Yes. That's a benefit, but the real benefit is you're, you're getting to do life with people and you are getting to grow together right? The volunteers' heart, spiritual maturity, growth is more important than the work they do. That's an important thing to keep in mind. And if you're pouring into this leadership team, then naturally they're going to overflow into the people that they're discipling themselves, whether it's other team members, whether it's their own family. And I think that's such a such a wonderful thing to keep that in focus, that it is about the people before it is about the work that they do. Well, Chris, as we uh, kind of wrap up, what are some of the challenges uh, that you face when managing this kind of team? I'm sure it comes with challenges because, again, you're giving these people the authority to speak up and to you know have have authority, and that doesn't always go well. So, have you had situations? What are some things that you keep an eye on so that those kind of challenges are managed well? Yeah, I think some of the challenges in stewardship ministry in general. One of the things is attrition. There are always going to be people who leave the ministry, unfortunately. Maybe they move away. Maybe their life just gets really busy and they don't have time to give to it anymore. So constantly trying to raise up new volunteers and bring them in just to even sometimes replace a certain amount of attrition that will happen. But also then if you're really trying to grow the ministry, you've got to you know bring in new volunteers all the time for that as well. So there's just always that ongoing challenge of bringing people in and always kind of keeping that funnel going. I found sometimes we get busy because we're doing classes and we got a lot of things happening and then it's like, oh, gosh, we haven't done a, you know, an orientation or a, a, a vision night, uh, I like to call it, in a while. And then it's like, OK, you know, are we really kind of bringing people in? Are we are we priming the pump to bring people into the system kind of a thing? So that's kind of an ongoing cha- challenge of just running it. 
Um, there's some other internal challenges that within a church environment, you know, sometimes it's hard to know ahead of time what's going to happen in the church calendar. There's all those big things that happen. And as far as the volunteer leadership team, what happens when somebody on the team goes through something really hard? Like there's a guy who was on our leadership team many years ago who basically went into a marital separation. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had to really say to him, listen, I, I'd like you to step off the team, not because I don't love you, not because I don't want to support you in this time, but you need to be spending your time on your marriage, not on this team. And those can be difficult conversations. Or sometimes you have a volunteer who you know might be a, a good, well-meaning person, but they're not a good fit for the ministry, or they don't recognize where their weaknesses are sometimes. And you know, sometimes it means having difficult conversations. And you know, asking the leadership team to step up to share not only the good, but also some of the difficult things can be a challenge in kind of coaching them through that. So like any team environment, there are always going to be the challenges that happen. And those can be difficult, obviously, by definition. But at the same time, that's also what, where it's rewarding to work together as a team and, and work through some of those challenges. One of the basic challenges that I run into is, is simply discouragement, where you actually did a a little email on it for CSN recently, the idea that, you know, you do this class and you're set up and you're thinking this is going to be the, this is awesome. we got this great class and like, you're all set up and like three people show up and you're going, well, there should be like 50 people in the room. What's going on? And, and that can be really discouraging, not only for me, but, but for the volunteers who are giving their time. And, you know, this is something that's important to them too. And they're going, why, why aren't people getting this? And it can sometimes I've seen it where they, they say, well, is this not important to the church? Like what's going on? It's actually has nothing to do with the fact that the church doesn't think it's important. It's just trying to communicate that out and encourage people to, to get people to come to things within the church is a challenge. Yep. It, it is a challenge. Um, so kind of keeping them encouraged and connected and, and that kind of thing, or when they have really difficult sessions, like maybe they're doing financial coaching and they've got something, you know, a couple that's just going through a really hard time or is discouraging, you know, kind of managing through that. So those are the kind of challenges that happen all the time. I'm kind of an optimist by nature. Uh, so I, I tend not to, it's one of my weaknesses. I think it's, I tend not to look at the hard stuff sometimes and maybe it just keeps me going, I guess, but there are those challenges and they happen and they happen, you know, a lot. I think one of the benefits of having this team is that when those kind of situations happen, even though you may not dwell on the negativity of it, yet other team members would pick up on it. They have more empathy, you know? So in that situation, they would say, Hey, I think we need to get together. I think we need to do something to overcome this. I think the team's feeling a little bit down. And I think that's one of the, again, there's so many benefits to having a leadership team. Everything you shared, Chris, is so valuable because I think so many people that are trying to build this are kind of pushing a boulder up a hill, right? It's hard work, but if you invest in your team, then you're going to have success. You're going to have a cultural shift because there's a ton of people that will see the benefit of this. And, and as they do that, as the team is interacting, a buzz and, a, and an interest in the ministry, not just from a volunteer standpoint, but those that are actually going through it uh, will grow. And that's been our experience is every time we've had a healthy team willing to do the work, we've seen great results, great fruit come out of that. All of this, everything you shared is, is so crucial to a stewardship ministry team that can continue to scale and grow over time. And that's really what we're talking about to make sure that no matter where you're starting the ministry, even if it starts small and it always does, that it has the potential to grow because God desires to, to grow things and healthy things grow. So if you keep it healthy, it'll grow. Any last words before we finish up? 
Well, I guess the only thing, just in summary, it's maybe it's obvious, but I think it's one of the things we talk about at the Christian Stewardship Network a lot is the idea that you cannot have a healthy discipleship process in a church without stewardship being part of that and stewardship and generosity. And so, you know, a lot of times pastors want people to be generous, but they're not really thinking, where is it coming from? And um, to me, it's what we're, what we've really been talking about is, is kind of having a system of discipleship for this ministry so that we can disciple as many people as we possibly can. And as effectively as, as we possibly can within the ministry in this area of stewardship and generosity, it really has made a huge impact on our church culture over time. I had lunch with uh, a guy that used to be on our leadership team actually years ago. Um, and he's no longer involved in the ministry. He's kind of gotten busy with work stuff and got to kind of his life has changed, but we had uh, actually a coffee together a few weeks ago and he just paused at one point and he said, you know, I'm so glad for the time that I had in the ministry because I remember some of the things that you just kind of kept drumming into our heads about simple stuff. Like we say God owns everything. Are we living in such a way that we believe that God owns everything? And he said, you know, for my wife and I to be growing in generosity, if I didn't get that piece, that's that's the key that unlocked generosity for me. And, you know, to me, it was just gratifying, not just in his life, but to, to realize like, here's a guy who came in to help other people in the ministry. And yet he grew tremendously spiritually through it because of the system that we had in place with the volunteers that were pouring into him that grew him spiritually in that process. And so to me, that just kind of fruit, this is just one life, but it's the fruit that was born in that one life. And now he's influenced a lot of other folks and has a you know big sphere of influence himself. So I think it's just, again, as a point of encouragement, it's a hugely valuable, important ministry that we do that impacts the entire culture of the church and yeah. can impact the way people view their relationship with Christ. And, and man, I'm just so glad we have CSN. I'm so glad we get to learn from each other because I've learned so much from others within this organization and, you know, within our network. And hopefully this conversation is valuable to some folks too. Yeah. I'm sure it will be. And thank you, Chris. Thank you for bringing so much wisdom and, and experience really to share, because this is going to be valuable to someone who is going to be walking in that same road. So thank you. And thank you for your generosity. You coming on the show and sharing all this is an act of generosity on your behalf, which uh, you do so often. So I thank you for that. Thanks, Leo. Always love talking to you. Yeah, same here. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Stewardship Leader. If you enjoyed it and found it valuable, please share it with someone who you think might also find it valuable. If you've not yet subscribed to our podcast or left us a review, please do so. This will ensure you automatically receive the latest content we produce and will help others to find the podcast as well. If you want to know more about CSN, how we can help you and your church create a culture of good stewardship and generosity, go to our website at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. There you will find many resources, our events, and how you can become a member of our community. We'd love to be in your corner, helping you and your church develop and implementing a thriving stewardship and generosity ministry. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on Stewardship Leader. Stewardship Leader.